0: If you have your Bible, once you turn with me to Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five, and we're gonna we're gonna continue in our series that we started a couple weeks ago, um, which is considered the greatest sermon ever preached, and I believe Jesus is the greatest preacher that ever preached. Amen. How many of you agree with that? And uh, and so it's it's a blessing. It's a privilege. To be, uh, to be able to have the Word of God, to read the Word of God. The Word of God can change your life. How many of you know that? How many of you believe that? And you know, it is, um, they've found over the years that whenever the gospel has penetrated new areas where the gospel has not penetrated before, it totally changes the area that, that it's been preached in. In fact, where the gospel has gone, there's a greater liberty, greater freedom. There's actually greater prosperity there. How many of you know the Bible has the power to to change people's lives and change communities and just totally uh, turn uh, things around. Amen? And so it's a great privilege to be in the Word of God, isn't it? It's a great privilege to receive the Word of God. And uh, we should never get tired of the Word. We should continue to hunger to know the Word of God and and to study the Word of God and to apply the Word of God because the Word of God can totally uh, change the course and the trajectory of your life. Let's pray, Father. We pray today as we look into Your Word that God, You would, uh, Lord, I pray for the unction of Your Spirit to be upon me as I teach Your Word today. I pray for the unction of Your Spirit in this room today, Lord, to teach the Word to those that hear. Lord, You have an amazing way of taking the Word of God and applying it to individual lives, and I pray that You would do that today, Lord. I pray that You would just uh, strategically speak to every person that is here, give them a word, encourage their hearts and lift up their spirits, God, that they might fulfill the destiny and the purpose that you have ordained for them to live in and walk in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And uh, in, in chapter uh, 5 and verse 1, it says, One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he sat down. And his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Now, our first week we talked about Jesus taught this sermon with a specific purpose. He had a, he had a reason for teaching what he taught. It wasn't like he was just, you know, uh, read a book somewhere and came up with some thoughts and taught these disciples. Jesus, who's all-knowing, has all knowledge, knew exactly what they would be encountering, knew where they were going. And so he taught with specific purpose. He taught with a goal in mind and he knew where he was going with the sermon, amen? And so the Bible tells us in Matthew if you read the last part of the sermon in Matthew chapter 7, you might just want to flip over there. At the very end of the sermon, he concludes with this, anyone, verse uh, Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, the floodwaters ride, the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching, ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, Jesus kind of encapsulates. This is his conclusion of his sermon. And he uses this analogy, I believe, to give us the purpose of what he's teaching. And the first thing is to build a solid foundation for the followers to build their life on. How many of you know your foundation is everything, amen? And so Jesus said anyone who listens to these teachings and follows them is like a person who builds his house on a rock. And when the winds and the torrents and all the storms come, they're going to be okay because they're going to be on that rock. Why did Jesus want to build a solid foundation under his people? Because he knew that their whole purpose and their whole destiny hinged on what was below them, on the foundation that they had built in their life. And every person has a foundation built in their life. Some of them have a very, very messed up foundation because of the place where they grew up, the situation they were in. And some people have a strong, solid foundation that they were raised in. And whenever they face life, the people who have a good, strong foundation has a greater advantage than people who don't have a good foundation. Amen? But the good news is that whether you've had a good foundation growing up or not, Jesus will will fortify your foundation. Amen. He's going to put some reinforcement bars in your, in the slab of your life. And you're going to reach the destiny and the purpose that he's ordained for you to reach. Amen. But the other purpose was to equip us to endure life storms. And that's what he says in verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is like a wise person who built a house on a rock, though the rain comes in torrents. And floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. He was using an analogy. He was using an analogy to say, listen, whenever you're in life and the winds of tribulation come and the floodwaters of trials come, if you're built on the rock, your life is on the rock, you're not going to collapse. You're not going to fall down. You're going to make it. You're going to endure. You're going to get over on the other side. Amen. Amen. And so applying the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount not only positions you to live an abundant, blessed life, but it prepares you to sustain that abundant, blessed life by strengthening you to endure life storms. Amen? Because one storm can blow you off your, your trajectory of life. And so the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount was to help people live a blessed and a victorious life. How many of you are interested in that? You see, you could take anyone, regardless of where they are right now, and if they will submit themselves to the Word of God and begin listening to the principles of the Word of God, regardless of where they are right now, their life will change for the better. Their life will move up. Their life will get stronger, and they will live a prosperous life. And it's not that everything will go away and they won't have any more trials, but I'll tell you what's going to happen. Is they are going to stay standing whenever the winds finally die down? Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? And so that's the purpose. So Jesus believed that the beginning stages to building that foundation was your attitude. And so he begins this sermon unpacking these eight attitudes that every person needs to have. There's four of them that deal with our relationship with God. And there's four of them that deal with our relationship with others. And last week we began talking about these attitudes. And, And Hugh Downs, I love this quote. It says this. A happy and a blessed person is not a person with a certain set of circumstances, but rather a person with a certain set of attitudes. A blessed person, a happy person is not a person with a certain set of circumstances, but a person with a certain set of attitudes. How many of you know if you keep your attitude right, you're going to make it? You're going you're to conquer in life. But if your attitude goes south... There's no hope there. Amen. So Jesus begins this sermon dealing with the attitudes. Now, last time we dealt with that first attitude, which Jesus said you need to have to enjoy a blessed life. And it's a strong dependence on God. You got to have a strong dependence on God. And the opening verse, he says this in verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor. Does not mean that you have to be poor physically? Like you can't have any money. Like you have to be, you know, an object poverty to be able to be blessed. No, that's not a blessing. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. And so that's not what he's talking about. Poor in spirit refers to being in a place of spiritual poverty. It means to to recognize your need for God's mercy and his grace and depend on him to get you through life. Blessed are those who are willing to go around and look to God for help. And so a man who is poor in spirit is a man who puts us total dependence and reliance on God. How many of you know that if we will rely and depend on God, we will have a better life than if we don't turn to God at all? And so that's the first thing he says. It's the foundation. He says, you got to, you got to develop this, this poor in spirit attitude that I need God. I can't make it through. You know, I was just thinking of some of the blessings that depending on God brings into your life. It'll, it'll help you to enjoy greater peace in your life from the comfort you receive through the Holy Spirit. It'll help you, uh, you'll have greater ability to handle life's pressures and burdens of life because of the fortitude and the strength that God will give you. It'll help you to have stronger godly character because the fruit of the Spirit will begin to work and function in your life. You know what it'll do? It'll also give you uh, the ability to make better decisions because the wisdom of God will begin to flow in your life and you'll make better decisions which will amount to you having a better life. Amen? And these are just some of them. You'll have a more effective ministry because the power of God will work in your life and you will have an effective and a stronger ministry all because we learn to depend on God. Depending on God will change your life. And so that's the first example. And you know, the scriptural picture of this is, you know, I can't ever get tired of reading this, this passage. It's a, it's like, The scripture in Psalm 1 paints this picture. And it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. How many of you want to prosper? How blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a, a, a counsel for you. But how blessed is the man or woman who doesn't listen to the world's counsel, but listens to the counsel of the word of God? He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, and whatever he does, he'll prosper. Come on, why wouldn't we want to get the counsel of the Lord? If it's going to cause us to prosper. Amen. And so cultivating a dependence on God allows you to prosper in every area of your life. Amen. The second attitude we must possess to enjoy a blessed life is a repentant and a trusting heart. In verse five, uh, chapter five, verse four, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, as you study out the word to mourn in the Bible had two different applications and definitions. And we're going to look at both of those today. The first one was this, to mourn meant to feel godly sorrow and true repentance for sinning against God. And he says, how blessed is the man who mourns. It's it's having a heart of repentance that produces the desire to change your behavior and your direction in life. You know, the Bible talks about a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow. A worldly sorrow is, man, I'm sorry I got caught. A godly sorrow is, I'm sorry I broke the heart of God. I want to change my life and I want to be pleasing to him. Amen? And so he says, "Whenever he, how blessed is the one who has that repentant heart? Why does a transparent, repentant heart, uh, why does that person experience the uh, comfort of the Lord? Because it reconnects you with God. It, it places you back in connection with God. In Isaiah 59 and 1 it says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you. Nor is ear to too deaf to hear your call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. How many of you know our disobedience and our sin breaks or disconnects our relationship with God? You know, it messes up our flow. It changes your, your, uh, your ability, your perception, you know, or your reception, not perception, but reception. You know, whenever you're trying to call somebody and, and all of a sudden you lose reception, you say, hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And here God is trying to say, don't go that way. And we can't hear them because our reception has been broken. Are y'all with me? Y'all follow me out there. And so sin and disobedience breaks or disconnects you from the grace and fellowship with God. But listen, a repentant, transparent heart reconnects you to God. Amen. So does it mean that if you become a Christian, you'll never sin again? No, it does not mean that. The Bible says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. And there's your sin right there. Amen. But you know what? Listen, all of us sin, all of us will will mess up, will fall short. But you know what? If we will live, if we will live with a repentant heart and be quick to acknowledge when we've disobeyed God, when we've, whenever we've broken the laws of God and we're willing to admit that, confess that, it'll get us back in connection with God and the flow of God. How blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Amen. Listen, Psalm 32 and 3 says, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. This is David saying this. I groaned all day long, day and night. Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. And so the psalmist is saying, man... My whole life changed. I mean, here I was. I wasn't. I wasn't acknowledging what I did was wrong. I wasn't acknowledging to God that I broke His laws, and I was just quiet about it. I was just. I wasn't a- a- acknowledging it. But then I got to the place where, man, the heaviness of my life was overwhelming me. I felt like my life was dragging, and my life was wearing away. And then I finally came to the conclusion, man, I need to own up to this, and I confess my sin to God. And now all my guilt is gone. It's like he's saying, something happened to me. The pressure I felt was relieved. And now I feel a lot better. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Hidden and unconfessed sin causes you to stay in a spiritual fog, in a spiritual oppression. But a transparent, repentant heart reconnects and restores you to God. How blessed is the man who mourns. How blessed is the man who is willing to acknowledge his heart before God in a transparent, in a repentant way. Amen. You know, just recently I heard this story. A, a brother here in church was telling me. He was in a men's group, and, and the message that was taught was on repentance. And, and he had just recently lost his job. And he lost his job... Uh, and he didn't do anything wrong. The guy just didn't like him because what he stood for and who he was. And he was just recently promoted to the, you know, the CEO or whatever. And and he, and he, just, uh, he just kept coming after him and trying to find dirt in his life. And eventually he just released him and said, hey, we downsizing. He couldn't fire him, so he just released him. Well, this brother got, he got really uh, an attitude about this guy. And and he was holding a grudge against his his former employer. And here he was trying to find another job. Nothing was happening. And then whenever he heard that, he thought, man, I've heard this before. I'm, I'm cool when it comes to that. And God began to speak to him and said, no, you used to be okay. But whenever you went through this, all of a sudden something crept into your life. And you need to get this right. And he's telling me the story. He said, Todd, I repented and said, Lord, forgive me. I release my former employer for the way they treated me. And all of a sudden, as soon as he repented, the phone started ringing. Come on, I'm telling you. Bless are those who mourn, who repent, who say, Lord, I want to be right with you. God will bless that man. Amen. God will bless that man or that woman. Amen. Acts 3.19 says, therefore, repent, return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. Transparency causes you to experience times of refreshing before the Lord. Repentance causes you to experience refreshing before the Lord. You know, I believe there's some people that come to church Sunday after Sunday and they say, where is God? Where is God? I don't feel God anymore. I don't sense God in my life anymore. And you know, the whole trouble might be right here. The whole trouble might be that they're refusing to acknowledge their disobedience before God. They excuse it away. They act like God don't care about it. But all the while, they feel a heaviness in their life, a distance in their relationship with God. Can I encourage you today? Be quick to repent. Amen. Now, the other word here in this mourn also means to feel... um. is is to feel sorrowful or filled with grief because of the loss of a loved one. And, And the Bible says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, many people try to carry their grief whenever they lose a loved one. They try to carry it themselves. And, and I don't know, I was thinking about this. Sometimes I think this one area that we'll, we'll turn to God whenever we need a job or we'll turn to Him whenever somebody in the family is sick and asking God to heal, and then we lose a loved one, and sometimes that's the last time we'll turn to God. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know, but maybe sometimes it's because we, we look at God and said, hey, you have control over this, and you let my loved one die. And maybe there's an attitude towards God, I don't know. But sometimes we try to carry our grief all alone and never turn to God. But whenever Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, he wasn't talking about just someone who loses a loved one. He was talking about somebody who loses a loved one, but knows and understands that God has given, is, has the adequate grace to take them out of that place of mourning. Amen? How many of you believe that this morning? And God's grace comes. Those who are comforted are those who turn to the Lord and trust the Lord for help to get them through this low, heavy, dark place in their life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. And He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Hey, listen, when you go through grief, you're a great candidate to experience the amazing comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely our grief he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, and yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. You know that verse of Scripture? You know, you've probably heard me share this story, but every time I read that verse, I can't get out of my mind the revelation God gave me when I was at the foot of the bed of my grandmother who had just died and all the families around and we're all crying and, and we're all mourning her loss. And as I was standing there, I felt this this cloud of, of oppression coming on me. And as I was feeling that, I just closed my eyes and I said, God. And, and just like that, the Lord brought me to this verse, Isaiah 53, 4. He has taken my grief. And whenever I thought of that verse... I could just picture Jesus standing between me and the grief I was feeling. And he said, that's what I was talking about. I took your grief, Todd. I know, I know it's a loss. I know it's heavy that you're losing your grandmother, who was like a second mom to me, was raised in her yard. She, she, you know, she did all the things grandmothers do. But in an instant, whenever the Lord reminded me of that verse, all of a sudden, it was like the breaks of grief came on. And all of a sudden, I could sense the presence of God. Later on when my mom died, I could go back to this verse and say, Lord, I'm feeling the heaviness of it, feeling the weight of it. But Lord, you took my grief and I would just thank God. Lord, thank you for giving me comfort right now. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in here today. God will give you comfort. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Amen. Amen. The third attitude we must possess to enjoy a blessed life is a humble and a meek spirit. Now, some people take great pride in their harshness and their hardness. They take break, great pride in that the fact that they're so tough and they're so thick-skinned. But you know what? It's a tempered and humble spirit that the Lord God desires for us to walk in. Amen? Not the harsh, hard, callous life, but a life that's been meeked. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the gentle." For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the gentle. Gentle means not weakness, but rather strength under God's control. It's strength under God's control. Brother Francis used to use the analogy all the time. He says, you know, a chihuahua's got to bark a lot because he's little and he can't do much. But a big dog don't have to bark. He just looks around. He's meek. He knows he's got strength. He don't have to make a lot of noise. He knows who he is. Come on. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you got to make a lot of noise. But if you know who you are in Christ, you ain't got to be a big show. You just settle in on the grace of God on your life. Amen. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Gentleness is having a humble and a meek spirit. It's having an attitude that yields and submits to the Lord's authority. And it surrenders to his will. It's having a teachable spirit a surrendered will to god that's what meekness is about you know the picture of, of gentleness or meekness is a colt that has been broken and tempered by its trainer you know, when you think about that colt that wild stallion beautiful animal full of strength and potential but because of the so wild you can't do nothing with it there's no you can't use the potential of the animal but the trainer will take that colt And begin to work with that coat, and and finally break that coat, and and all of a sudden, finally, you know, putting a, you know, putting a. Uh, uh, just a rope on its neck. And I don't know if you've ever seen that. Put a rope until it gets used to that rope and then puts a bridle. And then once a bridle puts a blanket and then once a blanket, a, a saddle. And then once a blanket. And, you know, once he puts that blanket on, that horse will go crazy. And then he'll get tired out. And then that trainer will put the the, the saddle on that. And then when that horse feels the saddle, it goes ballistic again. And it wears itself out. And then finally, when it gets used to having that saddle, eventually that trainer will jump up on that animal and, uh, you know, watch out whenever that happens. But there's a process of that trainer teaching that animal. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just trying to help you. And whenever that trainer finally gets that animal broken, that stallion is ready to reach its potential now. Amen. And that's the picture. God, we have great potential. But the problem is we bucking around life too much sometimes. Amen. You know, God's trying to use us, but we're so, we're so wild. We're so out of control that we can't, we can't be used like God wants us to use. He says, blessed are the meek or the gentle, for they're going to inherit the earth. You know, a person with a humble and meek attitude is a person who has been spiritually broken and no longer controlled by the strength of his flesh, but controlled by the spirit of God. You know, people that have been walking with God a long time and they've learned, they've they've fought God, they've resisted like Paul. You know, the Lord said, why you keep kicking against the goats? Why you keep bumping your head up against the wall? Doesn't that hurt? Isn't that uncomfortable? Quit fighting my will, surrender and become gentle and I'm going to show you what I can do with your life. Come on, you get that picture? The Lord wants us to have a gentle spirit, a humble and meek spirit. That's who God gives the inheritance to. He inherits the earth. When you think about that, inherits the earth, that sounds like it's worth looking into. Amen? And so uh, the fourth attitude we must possess to enjoy that blessed life is a passionate appetite for the things of God. We need an appetite for the things of God. Can we develop a stronger appetite for God or is what we have what we got to live with? No, the answer is no, right? Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. You know, listen, hunger means to crave or to be famished for something. And the thirst means to have a, a strong desire or a longing. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are those who have a, who crave, who are, who have a strong desire for righteousness, for the things of God. He says, because if they do, they shall be satisfied. And so the Lord says, blessed. Happy to be envied is the one who has worked hard at developing a strong appetite and passion for the things of God. He says, listen, if you want more, if you want to gain greater blessing in your walk with God, hunger after him, pursue him. Go after him. Why are we having three days of prayer and fasting? To pursue him. To, to draw nearer to him. To, to, to get closer to the spout of God's favor and God's blessing. Amen? If you look at the history in the Bible, every time a people drifted away from God, that's whenever the enemy began to overcome them. Their protection was lifted and their crops began to fail and they ended up being in a desert or being famished or, or being under plagues. But every time they turned and they pursued God and they went closer to God, that's whenever the protection came back, the blessings came back and their, their, their vats were filled with new wine. Amen? That's a picture for you and I. We can't afford to allow our hearts to drift away from God. We're headed to the wilderness. We must hunger and thirst for the thing of God. Amen? We must develop a passionate appetite for God. And it won't just come automatically like our natural appetite. we got to pursue it. Amen? Y'all with me out there? Blessed are those who hunger. Blessings for those who hunger. You know, I was thinking about... You know, people that hunger for God, they will enjoy a closer walk with God. So what the Bible says in James 4 eight: draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like to have a closer walk with God? I mean, I don't know anybody in this room that would not want to have a closer walk with God. But you know, sometimes we've been in church just long enough to forget about the important basics. And he says, draw closer to me, and I will draw closer to you. Come on, we know what that means, don't we, saints? We know what that means to draw closer to God. I mean, we don't have to get it all spelled out for us. Is that right? He says, draw closer to me, and I will draw closer to you. You know, another blessing is we can experience new levels of spiritual rewards. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six. 6, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You know, listen, if you take two people, both Christian, and you put them in church and one diligently seeks after God, I promise you, he will experience more rewards from his relationship with God than the person who lives in spiritual apathy and complacency. Why? Because the Scripture is very clear. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. If we want more rewards, if we want more of God's grace and and blessing flowing in our life... We need to pursue Him with greater intensity. Amen. We need to, we need to ratchet up the intensity of our, of our pursuit of God and we're going to receive spiritual reward. You know what? Another blessing is we're going to receive supernatural provisions. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, don't worry about these things or 31. Don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Amen. Wouldn't it be a blessing while you were right here at church, people were putting some money in your checking account? How many of you like that? Wouldn't that be great? Whenever I think about that, Whenever I think about this, I think about that. You know that he says, if you pursue me, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's like he's putting food in your pantry. He's putting clothes in your closet. He says, if you will pursue me, I'm going to provide what you need to eat, to wear. I'm going to provide the necessities of life. So I believe those who pursue God and make a priority of God, they receive provisions. And you know, a lot of times you don't know why or how that came. You don't know why you still got oil in your jar. You don't understand why you still got a little bit of money left at the end of the week. But it's God that is supernaturally providing. Amen. How many of you know He can keep your, He can keep your car running. Come on. He can, He can fix your car without going to the mechanic. Come on! How many of you know what I'm talking about? God has a million and one ways of how He can provide for His children. But He says, "Listen, pursue Me, seek Me." He said, "You want to, you want to know who's got a life to be envied? You want to know who's got a life that that is that they are happy?" So they have these attitudes. They have these attitudes right here. These four attitudes. Number one, they have. A poor in spirit attitude. They recognize they need God. But not only that, they mourn. But whenever they mourn, their mourning is not just living in depression. No, it's God, I'm sorry I broke your heart. I want to get right with you. And God, I'm heavy, but I know you can lift this burden. See, the attitude is blessed are the Gentle. Blessed are the gentle. Listen, the promise is for the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. The promise for those who mourn, they shall be comforted. The promise for those who are gentle, they shall inherit the earth. The promise for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. I mean, look at this. The kingdom of heaven, they shall be comforted. They're going to inherit the earth. They're going to be satisfied. These are the blessings of those who have the right attitude. Amen. Now, what was the Lord trying to do? He was trying to establish a foundation in the the hearts of the people that were listening to them. He was trying to build that foundation so they could reach their purpose and their destiny. He was trying to build that foundation so that when the winds of the hurricane force, you know, uh, winds and waves would come, they would be fine. Because it would be founded on that rock. Amen? And so then the most important question is, what foundation are you building your life on? Are you building it on the sand? Or are you building it on the rock? How many of you know whenever the Lord says, the wise man is one who hears the words of God, and he follows them and applies them to his life, he's like a man who built his house on the rock. How many of you know that rock is Jesus Christ? Amen? It's not a philosopher. Of the 18th century. It's it's not a. It's not a a talk show host. That you can tune into. How blessed is a man. Who walks in the counsel of the Lord. Amen. Look. They might. The people around you. That look into other ways. To build their foundation. They might seem like. They're just as good as you. Or better. or, Or as solid as you. But I tell you. You build your life on the Word of God, and God will begin to fortify you. Amen. He'll begin to strengthen you. He'll put grease in the, in the squeaks of your life. Amen. Come on. He's gonna, He's gonna put some oil in the engine of your very being, and life is gonna begin to flow smoother, and all of a sudden, you, you're just not gonna, you're just not gonna believe how your life will improve. Why? Because it's the truth of the word of God. God's not a God that he should lie, nor that he should repent. If he said it, he will do it. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. Attitudes to live by. It's hard to preach a sermon like this and not be personally convicted. I mean, when when can you feel like you've you've pursued God enough, right? You've walked in, in humility enough. You know, the whole purpose Jesus was teaching that these principles you know the bottom line is the fact that we can't live up to these standards right we we need God's help the word of God is a tutor It brings us to Christ it brings us to the place where he's like God I can't do all this exactly how about turning to me come on can we turn to him right now and say Lord I need your help I can't do all this, I desperately need your help, Lord um, you're going to have to put some hunger in me, God, I, I want to pursue. I want an appetite, but Lord, I need you to help me. How many of you say that today? I need your help, Lord. I need your help today, God. Oh listen, some of you today, maybe you you here today and you know you're not been you haven't been building your house on the rock of Jesus Christ. You've been building it up on the things of the world and, and, and other foundations. But today, the Lord is wanting to draw you to Himself. If you hear today and you say, Todd, I don't know that I'm, I'm building my life on Jesus, but I want to. You know, the Bible says that to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan but a birth that comes from God. The Lord wants you to have a new birth. He wants you to be a Christian. He wants you to be born again. He wants you to not worry about where you're going to spend your eternity. He wants to give you peace in your life. And you can have that today by just opening up your heart and saying, Lord, I need you. There's the poor in spirit attitude, the foundation of everything else where you acknowledge, Jesus, I need you. If you've never been born again, you've never been saved, I want to pray a special prayer for you. If that's you, will not you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand if you just never... How many of you are saved today? Let me see your hand. Would you begin to pray right now for those in here that might not be saved and ask God to release His grace over this place? Come on, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus for shedding your blood for me so I could be saved. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and ask you to cleanse me. Lord, I want to be a Christian. Help me to be one. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, for the rest of us, maybe some of us, Maybe we need to repent. We need to just get along with God and say, God, my heart hadn't been right. My attitude hadn't been right. Just get along with God. Do business with God. Because God knows our heart anyway. Amen. And He knows when we're honest and transparent. Maybe you're here today and you recently lost a loved one and you're heavy. Can I encourage you? Call on the name of the Lord. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. Amen. He's just have this amazing ability to do that. Turn to him. Amen. And so listen, don't take pride in being harsh or hard. Come on, just take the attitude of humility. Don't be like a chihuahua. Amen. Be like the German shepherd. Don't have to say anything. Just walk in the meekness of the Spirit of God. You are the child of God. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to show anything. You just walk in who you are. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for blessing us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for changing us. Lord, I pray that you would just grace us as we go now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.